appreciate you so much and all they do for the kids' ministry. And I've been in kids' ministry my whole life, and what I see happening through Village Church is phenomenal. The kids who have the opportunity to hear the gospel, to hear truth, to see some, the love of God, really, um, it's powerful. I mean, you wouldn't believe the questions they ask, like, what's church? Like, hello, that's our culture right now. It's uh, pretty crazy. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of to Stephen being here, Lord. So awesome that you allow us to have an opportunity to be part of what you are doing in the earth today. And it is a powerful thing that you're doing. Help us to understand more fully our part in it. Help us to understand more fully how you've empowered us and equipped us in great ways. Father, help me to speak your truth and help the hearers to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, today I'm going to talk about covenant marriage, but probably more than that, I'm going to talk just about covenant, what covenant means. Covenant is not, anyway, we're not going to go into all of it right now, but it's more than what you think. Covenant is more than what you think. And I really believe that when we really understand covenant, we'll be able to more fully understand what covenant marriage is, the true nature of marriage. And right now I just want to talk about this. I know that there are many broken relationships represented right here, right now. And so I, this is not about condemnation. This is not about beating you over the head with something. But I think as we understand more and more about what God's nature is, really it goes back to his nature, what he is about, and understand how, how crazy he is about us, I think we'll have a better understanding of why we're here, what we're doing. So it's not about condemnation. Um, first of all, I am not an expert. <laughs> ask my husband, ask my kids, they will tell you the truth. I'm not an expert, and Wayne and I have not done everything right, my husband. And our story really starts during the last few minutes of my senior year in college. I had decided to go on a five-day fast uh, right during finals, which is kind of crazy, but uh, I, had, I was in an off and on again relationship with a young gentleman who said he was a believer, said he loved me, but I knew it wasn't a healthy relationship. And thank God we had not gotten into any kind of a physical relationship, anything like that. I was thankful. But I was really confused, and I needed some direction. I'm also going to need a job. I was graduating, a teaching job. And so I went on this fast. During that week, I got a call from a young man and who I had mostly admired from afar. One of my roommates knew him really well. I knew his brother really well. He called and asked me out uh, to go to dinner on that following Saturday, which happened to be the day after my fast ended. It worked out great, in case you're worried about that. And I just had a salad, for those of you who understand about breaking a fast. But anyway, um, that was Wayne Hellickson. And I never looked back. I was so totally impressed with him. First of all, he asked about me. He was interested in me. <laughs> Tells you a little bit about my previous relationship. I cared about me, and he talked about Jesus, and he wanted to know about what I thought about Jesus. And so we got married about a year later. And again, we are, I know this is like talking a foreign language, but I'm so thankful that we had remained virgins until our marriage. Um, that was a priority to both of us, and God helped us. Let me just tell you, he will help you. So we started our adventure together, and after we were married, we read books on marriage, we went to marriage um, uh, conferences, 
uh, and stayed really close to Christian fellowship. And those are what I call lifelines for marriage. And we even decided during our second year of marriage to go to Bible school together. And we went for two years in Dallas. And again, that was another lifeline for our marriage. After three years, we had Jessica. A year later, we had Josiah. It took Wayne five years to talk me into Sam. But uh, I did not have easy uh, pregnancies, deliveries, all that was not easy for me. But I was thrilled to have my kids. Wayne and I have had a very solid spiritual agreement and relationship in our marriage that helps us immensely. We are just stronger together. And that's the way it should be. We were always in church, even on vacations, ask my kids, um, even on vacations, we'd, Wayne would make sure we <laughs> found a church and again, another lifeline for our marriage. And we were usually serving in church. But we did have some rocky times in the early years, especially. And part of it was we didn't have much money, really short on income. And there were a lot of different reasons for that. We learned a lot about some things, but we were faithful to tithe, and I believe, I recognize now how blessed we were because of those years. We were just faithful to do it, and we had daily disagreements. I mean daily disagreements um, and different opinions. We have different interests and activities, but we've had a whole lot of agreement and harmony in our marriage, and I attribute that to the covenant relationship we have with God and with God in our relationship. And in a little over a month, we'll celebrate our 43rd anniversary. So we're going to read in Ephesians 5. I just wanted to tell you my story about that. I don't know if many people knew about that. But anyway, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21, it should be up here. Okay. Don't get scared off by the first word. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does a church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, did I read that right? Anyway, going down through 32. Now, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and by a revelation from him, tells us that the marriage relationship is like the relationship between the body of Christ and the Lord Jesus. And he says it's a profound mystery. Now, I don't believe it has to be a profound mystery to the body of Christ, to believers. But we can clearly see in the world that this is a mystery. Like they don't, the world does not see the value of marriage. They don't see the value of family. And both are under attack, um, or even the value of the body of Christ, but both are under attack politically, by all media, and even the church itself sometimes, as the church stays ignorant 
of what God really intended in family, marriage and family. Dennis Rainey, who is a well-known Christian family life speaker, wrote this, I have a growing concern that the Christian community has passively watched the dumbing down of the marriage covenant. Marriage has become little more than an upgraded social contract between two people, not a holy covenant between a man and a woman and their God for a lifetime. Jack Hayford writes that the, marriage of, the covenant of marriage is the single most important human bond that holds all of God's work on the planet together. That's, that's wild. It is no small wonder that the Lord is passionate about the sanctity of marriage and the stability of the home. This covenant of marriage is based on the covenant God has made with us. It is the power of his promise to her mankind that our personal covenant of marriage can be kept against the forces that would destroy homes and ruin lives. So marriage is hugely important in our society. And I don't think we fully get that. So the first thing I want to say is covenant is a God-inspired idea. It's not a man-made idea. And uh, marriage is not just a contract or based on a certificate. Um, a promise, in contrast, is a declaration of what you're going to do or not do. But there really aren't conditions with it. Covenant is defined by the scriptures as a solemn and binding relationship which is meant to last a lifetime. But I want to focus on the faithfulness and love of God as the covenant keeper. And we are just playing stronger together. He is the reason covenant works. We, we have our part in it, but he gives us the grace to live his way. And something supernatural occurs in a covenant relationship. He infuses his strength to us through the covenant. So, and there's lots of different Bible examples of covenant. You may not even have realized it really was a covenant, but that with God, Adam had a covenant, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Israel, David, and these were eternal covenants designed to affect everyone that came after them. And there were covenants between nations and tribes, between friends, in particular David and Jonathan is one example. Of course, the Old and New Testaments are called the Old and New Covenant, so we can see the Bible is all about that. But the New Covenant is the one between Jesus and the believer, individually and the church corporately. Often these covenants were made to make up for what one lacked. If one nation had a strong army but they had no food or water, they would make a covenant together so that they would one had the other, they would share everything mutually. Jonathan, as son of King Saul should have had a kingly destiny, but he was not the one anointed. David was the one anointed instead of um, Jonathan, who was the, actually the king's son. And so um, he really, he knew that he faced death, really. A lot of times they just killed off the whole king's family and, and took on the next one. He had no hope of becoming king, but David had an anointing to become king and needed protection that Jonathan could help him from because... Jonathan's father was trying to kill David. Anyway, that's a crazy story. But this covenant relationship between David and Jonathan would go on to affect generations later. But really, how did people do with the covenants? In tribe, we've been talking about how to get an A in tribe. Well, let me just tell you this. The people did not get an A in covenant. They failed over and over and over again. In Numbers 23, a prophet was prophesying to a heathen king, and this is what he said under the inspiration of God. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. In other words, God was basically saying, humans lie and change their minds. In contrast to the Father, 
In Proverbs 2, 16 and, 6, 16 and 17, it talks about an adulterous relationship, adulterous woman, and how she ignored her marriage covenant made before God. So these are just some clues about how God felt we were doing with covenants. And we fail without his help. And if we, or if we aren't following his plan or if we aren't surrendered to his will. But here's an absolute truth about God. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I just read a scripture from 2 Corinthians. No matter how many promises he's made, they are yes. He say, he's saying yes to us. And they're amen when we agree our, with it. And we, we say yes. Amen just means God is faithful and true and so be it. Jesus fulfilled all the promises of God from the beginning. Amen means we believe it. God is glorified in our believing. Now, this is what we have to remember about God. He is not sitting up there like, well, I was a principal, like a nasty old principal with a bunch of rules and a stick. Okay, that is not the nature of God. He wants only good for us. His heart is filled with love for us. Jesus knew the power of his own will at Gethsemane. He was sweating blood literally sweating blood at Gethsemane before he went to the cross. He felt the weight of his choice. He had a choice. Some people might not agree with that, but Jesus had a choice. Why else would he say, if there's another way, Lord, if there's another way? Thousands of angels were at his disposal to save him. He chose us. He chose the covenant. He chose to fulfill his father's plan to shed his blood and bring the covenant relationship to us. That's why the victory of the resurrection is so sweet to us. Because Jesus paid so much. He paid a lot for covenant. There's a price to pay for covenant. The enemy hated the covenant relationship the Lord had with Adam and has lied to us and gone after that covenant relationship ever since. He created us to have dominion on the earth, which is only possible again through the covenant. We can't just go around and do whatever we feel like. We need God's power. He needs to empower us. And, uh, but we're just stronger together. Family was part of his plan. Marriage produces children and then who continue to spread the knowledge of dominion through covenant relationship over every area of the earth. Through the covenant, grace is released for us to fulfill the will of our Father on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so what is, what is in this covenant? There are several elements, um, and God, but just know this, the Bible begins and ends with, with a marriage. Covenant's a main theme. Bible covenants had certain conditions, certain benefits and consequences for failing to fulfill them, for falling short in your obligations. Covenants also had a variety of elements or expressions which we see repeated. So the first one, in covenants, the Lord God is listed as a solemn witness. He's a witness. God is a witness. Uh, Genesis 31:50 says, remember that God is a witness between you and me. And then other, all over in scripture, it'll say, may the Lord watch between me and you, or you and me. Well, what's that mean? He's looking. What have you said that you're going to do in this relationship? Are you doing it or not? And just think of it, most people, not everyone, but a lot of people want to get married in a church. Why is that? Even if they don't even go to a church, they're looking, have you seen it on Facebook? They're looking for a pastor. You know, they don't even have, but they know there's something holy about it. There is something holy about it. Or else their parents are making them because they know there's something holy about it. 
But many times at the end of the wedding ceremony, they say, you have declared your commitment of love between God and these witnesses. God is one of the witnesses. And he's helping us to fill our, fulfill our commitments for sure. But not only is he witnessing, but he's an active part making the supernatural work in us. And one of the supernatural aspects, number two, is that in covenants, two entities become one. And I say it's more of a, we say partnership, but I, it's more like a merger. It's more like becoming something different. And um, it's the essence, I believe, of the marriage covenant. Only possible because of the cross. I look at the death on the cross. I see Jesus died for me. And basically, I died with him, right? I mean, that's a choice we make when we submit our lives. We give everything to him. I died with him. No reservations, nothing held back. And then the results in resurrection, in the new life. And my husband does the same thing. He looks at the cross. Jesus died for me. I die, I die because Jesus died. I want to die to my own selfishness and all of that. And that is absolutely necessary in order to live a true covenant relationship. Somehow in this uh, new relationship, this new covenant relationship, our identity is all tied up in it. Uh, we're supernaturally associated with, committed to, and linked together as one. All of our assets are shared. All our deficits are shared. And it's a spiritual thing that's consummated by physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is an illustration and a reminder of oneness with one another, but also oneness with the Lord. It's a holy and precious thing to him as it ought to be to us. Genesis 2.24 could be paraphrased like this. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall stick like glue to his wife, meaning nothing but death should be allowed to separate them, and they shall become one flesh as they enter into a covenant relationship. Two becoming one flesh, the mystery illustrated by the way Christ and the church are one. Two becoming one makes us stronger, like iron becoming steel. Our marriage is called a type of Christ and the church. The church is the bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. What a picture that is. What a picture that is. Jesus is the bride, and the church is the bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. I am my beloved's, and he is mine. But in order for this to work in marriage, there does have to be leaving past relationships in one sense. Uh, former boyfriends or girlfriends, sometimes the family ties need to be cut in some senses. Other relationships that might hinder a strong new relationship. But in another sense, when you marry someone, you marry their family. Have you noticed that? Yes. You marry their family. And uh, that was kind of a shock to me. Like our first fights were always about family because we're not the same families. Very similar. Norwegian, farmers, same religion, I mean, all of that, but there's a lot of dynamics within a family. And so we married each other's families, and we worked that out. I love Wayne's family. They're precious to me, and he loves my family. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine is part of that covenant relationship. Now, if God has not called you to marriage, you will find your completeness in him. As a matter of fact, I, I didn't have any thought of this until just now. <laughs> when Wayne and I started dating, I was actually reading books on being single in God. Like, I was reading that. I mean, I don't, 
I just was. I don't remember what my thinking was, but I, I guess I never really even thought a lot about getting married or having kids. It just wasn't something I thought about much. Believe me, I threw the books away when I met Wayne. But he talked to me about that. We said, why are you thinking that way? Because there are those who are called to that. And when you are called to, um, to not be married, you do have a completeness. You sense a completeness in you with just your father relationship with the father. But we are incomplete in ourselves when it is time for us to consider marriage. Um, and, he, and believe me, he doesn't go looking around, oh, I want to find another Jane so you know, she can have this person who's just like her. <laughs> How many of you know your spouse is really not like you in a lot of ways, right? Am I, is this the wrong group? I mean, I, Wayne and I are like two different, like polar opposites in so many ways, so many ways. He finds someone to make up the gaps. And I have, in my relationship with Wayne, for sure, I often, way back when I first talked about Wayne's influence in my life, my spiritual life before was kind of like this. And when I met Wayne, I, hooked, I connected with him, and this is how Wayne lives his life. I mean, seriously, so stable, so secure, so strong. And uh, all of that enabled me to really help grow in my relationship with God. He is, was hugely important in that. Huge. <laughs> Ask my kids. I often say that he even saved their lives. He, um, he was unemployed for a season when the kids were really little, and he stayed home with the kids, and I would come home. I had a stressful job. Always, almost always did have stressful jobs. I would come home just kind of like, and I remember at first just be, this anger coming out toward my children. And I was like, what is happening? It just, and I would just pull back. And, and so Wayne was actually home with the kids when they were like two and three. Jess remembers it. Like she, there were just so many things she remembers about that. It was, it was, it was great. It was great for my kids. And he did such a, um, had such a huge influence on them and still does. So, uh, let me see. I kind of just lost my place here, but I'll find it. All right. I love that my covenant with my heavenly Father says, everything that's his is mine. I mean, he can have everything of mine. I mean, he, he, he know, but he still is crazy about me and wants, and wants this relationship. Believe me, he, I am getting the better deal here in my relationship with God. And really, that's how I feel about my relationship with Wayne. I mean, I got the best deal. All right, that's that amazing covenant love. So the third thing is blood is shed. Covenants were usually entered into by a sacrifice of love and, and uh, or shed, of life and shed blood. In the Old Testament, when two people entered into a covenant with one another, a goat or a lamb or some animal would be slain or, cut, or killed, and its carcass would be cut in half. And with the two halves separated and lying on the ground, the two people who had formed the covenant would solemnize their promise and walk between the two halves. And basically, this is what they're saying. May God cut me in half if I break my promise. That's basically what they're saying when they made that. It was a, it was a huge commitment. And um, I get the feeling that commitments aren't like that now. <laughs> oh, I don't have to be on time. 
I can come when I feel like it. That's a commitment, isn't it? You commit to something. I know I'm stepping on toes right there. I'm not always on time either. But it is a commitment we make. It's one of those things. And it seems a little bit dramatic, but it's to emphasize the seriousness of covenant. After Adam sinned, remember what he was, they were clothed with? Skins of animals. Animals had to die for Adam to be protected and covered. Uh, for the Israelites, circumcision was a form of that blood requirement. In marriage, the blood is shed at the first time of physical intimacy. Jesus was our blood sacrifice, saying in Luke 22 about the Last Supper that this was the new covenant in his blood, right? The new covenant in his blood. Communion is about remembering our covenant relationship with him and the blood that was shed. Okay, the fourth one. Laying down of a life for the other. Or, if you want to say it this way, a total commitment to one another. And selfish living is weak living. Adam Holtz writes this, I've become more aware of how committed I am to myself. <laughs> a deep stream of independence and self-sufficiency flows in my soul, reinforced by three decades of learning to make life work on my own. Our culture's love affair with individualism has shaped me much more profoundly than I knew. The covenant of marriage demands that I lay down my lifelong commitment to myself for the sake of another. God does not grant me permission to renege on my promise if disappointment or suffering in marriage seems more than I can bear. The marriage covenant is a solemn oath before God to honor, esteem, and care for the wife of my youth till death do us part. God asked people, he asked the Israelites to give up their heathen relationships and their practices. He asked Adam to leave his country and his family. He, Jesus laid down his life for us. He left his kingly position to become a man, and we are asked to give up our rights sometimes, aren't we? We're asked to give up our rights in order to love our spouse, to love other members of the body of Christ. Nations and tribes were asked to protect their enemies no matter what, if they were in a covenant relationship. In, these, in those days, breaking a covenant oath was considered the worst kind of sin. If I break this covenant, I deserve death in some way. I looked at the wedding vows just to remind myself that, you know, the classic, you know, I'm talking about the classic wedding vows, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. This is my solemn vow. And even though those vows are important, it is the actual laying down of your life that really makes the difference because you can say anything you want, but it is the laying down of your life that makes the difference. If we are out to get just to just get, it's doomed to failure. If we just are wanting to get, wanting to get, wanting to get. When I insist on my own way, when it's contrary to Wayne's way, um, or if he does that to me, we can expect there's going to be a price to pay for that. And that price is losing our strength as a couple and losing our strength as a believer when we do that. Okay, number five, names are changed. And sometimes, you know, I, I remember the story of Abram, Abram and Sarai, and God, when he established covenant with them, he changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. He changed Saul's name to Paul in the New Testament. And it was because he had established a different relationship with them, a covenant relationship with more demands. But, you know, the names, I can't remember exactly. You could probably tell me what their names mean, but it always meant something with more strength. 
with more purpose, with God's help. <laughs> it's never alone, with God's help. My name became Helixon in our marriage. And uh, the name change is a symbolic of God's desire for a shared life. Now, is it, is it a sin to not change your... No, uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying of some of the traditions, they come out of the Bible. And so that's where some of them come from. You may not even realize that. Okay, the sixth one. We've only got a couple left. The sixth one, a, a meal is shared. Biblical covenants were often celebrated with a shared covenant meal with the parties joining together in covenant. The most well-known covenant meal is communion, which we're going to celebrate together in a little bit, in which we are to remember Jesus and how he shed his blood and allowed his body to be destroyed for us so we could enter into covenant so he could enter into covenant with us. And also, um, your wedding cake or the meal you had is also a symbol of that. A symbol of celebrated covenant and combined strength. Number seven, a deepened relationship is, should be evidence of a covenant. And I, I, I think it's especially typified in Abraham. You know, he was called the friend of God. And I think about that. How do you get to be God's friend? And so it's recognized for eternity. He was called the friend of God. Um, and then Jonathan and David's relationship I mentioned earlier. People talk about that relationship. I've heard many people preach about it. Like it's a big deal. They had a covenant committed to one another to, till death parted them. They were committed. Here's a truth I want you to know, though. God's side in the covenant is no more settled in one relationship than another. In other words... The Bible says he makes, he has no favoritism. He doesn't, you're all his favorites. That's why the favor of God is such a big deal. You're his favorites. And so this covenant relationship is available to you. And it's based on him and his, his faithfulness, his commitment to us, not because we fail. Because we fail. But he doesn't. The last one I want to talk about is uh, reminders or memorials. When God entered a covenant with Noah, he gave Noah the rainbow, which was to be a testimony or reminder that God would remain forever faithful to keep the covenant, never again to flood the earth so as to destroy all flesh. And this is what the Lord said in Genesis 9. When the, when the rainbow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember. Who's remembering? The Lord is reminding himself with that rainbow, but it's to remind us as well, to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. In the Old Testament, they would pile up rocks, they'd build monuments, they'd build pillars. Um, but now, usually in our marriage covenants, we have this, this ring. And uh, it's almost 50 years old. I, it's just like that just blows my mind. Like, what? But what I love about the ring is the circle symbolizes eternity. There's not a beginning, not an end. And so this ring is pretty precious to me because it's a, it's a reminder of Wayne's commitment. He went and bought this and surprised me. I mean, it was a, Wayne is one of the most romantic types you can imagine, and, and guess who isn't? But anyway, he... he uh, he did, I mean, it was amazing what he did. But marriage is God's idea. A promise is just a declaration that I'm going to do something or not do something. 
It doesn't really even come close to what a covenant relationship is. When you marry, it's a legal action in heaven, so it's legal on earth. And Matthew 19, what God has joined together, Jesus said, let no one separate. And what he goes on to say is only except for in the reason for divorce is sexual immorality. Wayne and I decided in our first year of marriage that we would never allow the word of divorce to be spoken between us, never as a threat or a consideration, another lifeline. If we questioned whether or not we should have married each other, it was never spoken. Because you know you do. <laughs> you do wonder sometimes, what, 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 you know, this, this is a real life. You do wonder, but you don't speak it. And if you haven't married yet, choose wisely. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. There's no greater, stronger, more powerful yoke in, in, besides our relationship with God in the universe than the marriage relationship. So he's talking about that here. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I was crazy about, I was crazy about Wayne and really wanted to marry him when we were dating. But in my heart, and I remember doing, I remember where I was, remember what time of day it was, and I remember this before God. In my heart, I kept putting him at the foot of the cross in my heart. I was protecting my heart. I didn't want a relationship that God did not bless. In my previous relationship, I had listened I hadn't listened to advice because people, godly people, were telling me this is not a good relationship. Um, I hadn't listened. I violated my conscience many times because of his lifestyle. God gives you a conscience for a reason. Respond to it. How we treat the marriage covenant affects our entire society. J.C. Ryle said this in the 1800s. He said this. The marriage relation lies at the very root of the social system of nations. The nearer a nation's laws about marriage approach to the law of Christ, the higher has the moral tone of that nation always proved to be. It's a, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Lastly, I'm going to encourage you to meet God right where you are. And that's what he always does with covenants. He has this amazing way of meeting us where we are. The man was made for covenant relationship with God, and that's where we start. We've failed, all of us. We've been selfish. We've ignored God's plans and opted for what was convenient or fun or what we thought was right, even. But we've come short of the best. Wayne and I have come short at times, too, for sure. But know this, there is always an answer, always a way, always hope. Maybe not for a failure in the past, but for a better future. In that place where we meet him, he loves us as if we'd never sinned. He loves us in such a crazy, amazing way. He sees our potential. He sees a future and a hope for us that we can't even fathom at times. His plans are yes and amen in him. He wants to meet you where you are, just like he did with Adam after his fall. 
Like with Abraham, who had no clue what was going to happen in his life. Like with Moses, who couldn't even speak for himself. And now today with you. He wants to infuse his strength, his power into your life because his purposes go beyond you. It's never about us, is it? It's never just about us. Though he's crazy about us, it's always about everyone else in the world around us. He sees you as part of this great mission on earth. He loves you and he empowers you to love others. That's a simple way of saying he has plans for you to help in this great awakening happening around us. So give your heart fully to him today, then give it to him every day. Give your marriage back to him today and do it every day. His ways are so much higher, better than ours. We can trust him fully. See past these elements. I'm just, I mean, it's kind of like there are a lot of different things. You don't see it in every, you don't see every one of those in every single covenant. But they were just part of, there's a reason for each part. That's what I wanted you to see. They were significant. To me, the profound mystery is this. How can he love us so much with this great covenant-based love and the lengths he goes to just for us? How can he do that? But that's, that is the nature and love of God. He's amazing. And so... I want to pray, and uh, I guess I need to ask Pat. We're going to do communion this morning, and so I'm thinking that we'll just do that right now. In just a couple of minutes, we'll do that part. So, uh, Del and Bone, if you want to come on up and help with the elements here. Father, we know that you ordained covenant marriage and covenant relationship with us from the beginning. You saw the end from the beginning. You knew what we needed. You knew how much we needed and needed to be utterly, utterly dependent on you. You knew it. You saw it. You understood that. And still you reach out to the frail, weak people and say, come on, come on. I want you with me. I want to be in covenant with you. I want to show you my love. I want you to know how I look at you. Come on, he says. And so if you haven't ever had a covenant, any relationship with, with the Lord, this is a day. And I want you in your hearts to simply tell him, and he already knows this, but it's good for our soul. Tell him, I've failed you, Lord. Please forgive me. And I receive that work that Jesus did on the cross. I receive that for myself, for my life, and more importantly, Lord, for my purpose on earth and for my love relationship with you. Help me to love you back. Thank you for coming when I've asked you to come. I believe you're faithful to come into my life, come into my heart. And I rejoice. I rejoice in it, Lord, but I know you rejoice more than I do.
thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what we'll do this morning. <laughs> I'm looking at Cody because I haven't talked about it, but that's okay. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to have you come up in the center aisles and then go out around back the other aisle on the outside um, to receive these elements. And the way we, how this works is on the very top, you just peel off the top and there's a, like a wafer in that and then you can peel off the next part and then there's the juice in there. But before you come, I just want to remind you from 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, that very same night he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, a new agreement, a new binding relationship between God and you. It is established by and sealed with my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is a memorial, a token, a remembrance to remind us of his love and commitment and faithfulness to us, to remind us of this covenant relationship that he's established for us. So do this, as we're worshiping, we usually do a couple songs and Cody will lead that. And you just stand when you want, come up and get the elements when you want and receive them as you want to. <laughs> 